Welcome to FIO on the Air, the voice of the festivals and events industry in Ontario. Please welcome our CEO and your host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome to FIO on the Air. We're back after a little break in the summer, uh, a lot of festivals happening. Today we've got Victoria Slime from Harmony Marketing with us. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, just uh, wondering if you can give it, our listeners a little bit of a profile of, of what Harmony does, who you are, and, and what you guys are working on. Yeah, for sure. So Harmony Marketing is a boutique agency in Toronto. We do all aspects of marketing. So traditional marketing, we do communications, then we do in sponsorship, PR, social media, um, but we really focus on festivals and events on the waterfront in Toronto. So we co-produce uh, a number of events with a partner agency, KSA Toronto, who handles all of the production, the logistics, infrastructure, permits, things like that. And we really focus on the uh, pre-planning, the communications, getting the word out about the events, government relations, all the grants, the writing, things like that. So the two events that we uh, mainly focus on is the annual Red Path Waterfront Festival, which happens on the water um, usually around July 1st weekend. We're either the third weekend in June or the first weekend in July. And we really, the goal of that is to just bring people to the waterfront uh, and show the waterfront. It went through a revitalization in 2015, so we're really trying to bring people down and show different parks. So we bring everything from the tall ships every three years to the world's largest rubber duck, which made a bit of a splash in 2017 and kind of put us on the map. So that happens every year. And then we also do a winter event called Sugar Shack TO, and that's kind of a maple sugar-infused week and uh, Cabana Sucra. Um, so we have that over during March break. Uh, and then we do a number of other festivals and events. We consult on some of them. We've been working with an event called Fast in the Six, which uh, celebrates Ramadan. And we're also working on a luxury flower show called Fleur de Ville. Um, so yeah, so, so we've kind of made our way into the festivals and events uh, area. And we've kind of trying to continue to uh, build the waterfront events uh, in the city. And for those that haven't had an opportunity to get down and re-experience Toronto Waterfront, it really has undergone some massive changes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so they've re revitalized it pretty much from uh, Bay. Our festival operates on two kilometers from Bay to Lower Sherburne, um, but they've really redone the promenade. So in 2015, we had a big festival to launch the promenade. The uh, Waterfront Toronto has really been spearheading that, and Waterfront Toronto is one of the partners and stakeholders in our festival. Um, so yeah, so they've been revitalizing all the parks. They've been... Um, putting in that promenade, all of the new bike lanes, really making it accessible for people to be able to bike all throughout the city on the Martin Goodman Trail, uh, really being able to show that you can walk from one end to the waterfront and the other end and really experience, you know, the boats and the, and the dining and um, shops and things like that. There's still a lot that I think can still come to the waterfront um, and with new infrastructure and new planning that they are doing for the east end of the waterfront, I think it'll bring even more people down. Um, you know, markets would be a great thing. So we, with the festivals at least, are trying to bring people, especially in the winter, during times that you don't normally go to the waterfront, we're trying to bring people down and show, you know, look what, what it does have in in the off-peak seasons. And the goal really 
for the waterfront is to kind of put it on an international scale and make it like, you know, Chicago, New York, Boston, places that have a beautiful waterfront, um, a lot of infrastructure and a lot of, of, of places where people can stay down on the waterfront after work instead of just going uptown. Now, the reason that we're we're doing this session today is our, our conference is coming up in Richmond Hill, February 25th, 27th, blatant plug, plug on our part. But we're starting to put our, our speaker sessions together, and, and we're talking about a session with you on um, experiential marketing and sponsorships for small to medium-sized festivals. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about what you hope to cover in that? Yeah, for sure. So... Um Really just trying to show that there's a lot of opportunities with experiential marketing. Um, I'll just kind of explain the difference between the two just for anyone who's not super familiar. Uh, for our sense, first festivals and events, sponsorship is really a company that wants to come on board, sponsor an aspect of your event, own something. The sponsor would get benefits for that, marketing, pre-promotion, logo inclusion, and naming rights. So for example, Red Path is our title sponsor. We have a presenting sponsor, Billy Bishop Airport. And then we really have ownable aspects. We've got stage sponsorships, lounge sponsorships. So it's really more of a partnership and, and longer term. Experiential marketing is companies that want to come on board and really just get their product in the hands of your audience. So they want to do samplings on site. They want to set up a tent or a trailer. They want to hand out branding material. They want to talk to your audience in real time um, instead of focusing on logo benefits, pre-promotions, any of that. They really just want to get their product in the hands of your tens of thousands of people. Um, so I really think that there's an opportunity to kind of really pitch those types of companies. So for example, instead of going after you know, I'll use Coca-Cola as an example. Instead of going directly to Coca-Cola, it might be better to go through their agency because that the agency might not just have Coca-Cola. They might have uh, tens of other um, companies that you can pitch as well. So really focusing on, you know, what works, how many spaces do you have on site, what, what possibility is there to really get some programming and infrastructure out of these experiential marketing partners that could help offset your costs as a festival and event planner. And as the sponsorship world or partnership world, as we like to call it, is changing and evolving, then, you know, this year has been a tough year for festivals and events with uh, some of the grant changes. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of festivals um, expect grants and, you know, that, that becomes mm -hmm. a dangerous process. And sponsorships and partnerships are getting harder and harder to get. And and, and I think your point about these uh, experiential sponsorship packages are, are a great idea because, you know, knowing your demographic and being able to explain that to these companies is what it's all about because they want to get their product in front of people. And I know some festivals and events have a, a little aversion to that, but I mean, it, it really is a good way to put some money on your bottom line. Oh, for sure. And I think you're right with the whole shift in expecting. We've even seen a shift in the sponsorship side of expecting those key sponsors to come back year over year. I think there are sponsors who we will have on board in a large capacity because it works for that year. They want to do a launch. They want to have a new, they have a new branch coming to the waterfront. So they really want to have a focus, but the next year you might not have that. So I'm finding the shift to experiential marketing, 
like I said, if there's a way that you could offset your costs. So for example, um, we had Hawaiian Punch come on board a few years ago and they had their whole activation was around volleyball. So they put on volleyball tournaments for kids on the beach. And that is a programming that's free for us. We don't have to pay for that. We don't have to plan it. We give them the space, they pay for the space, and they're really giving us free programming. We've also had that with music. We had a company come on board and they had a DJ at their booth. And so they were providing free music to audiences that we didn't have to pay for. So I think there's really unique ways that uh, festivals and events can think of, okay, what do we really need? Do we need a lounge space? How could we get an experiential marketing partner to come and pay for, for seating? And then that experiential marketing partner has a captivated audience and they're sitting there, they're watching music, or they're watching your show, but they also have brand ambassadors handing out a product or interacting with people for multiple minutes, which is exactly what these companies want. They want quality time with these people to get them to sample their product, potentially share it online, which is obviously the ultimate goal, uh, instead of just, you know, seeing a logo on a poster. So I think that's where I'm seeing the biggest shift is I'm really trying to spend my time and efforts getting to these experiential marketing companies versus going one by one to big to big companies that might might not even look at your pitch <laughs> is it changing and and i know for some of the bigger festivals you you have the luxury of not necessarily sitting back but a lot of times a lot of these companies will come to you at the last minute with a pitch to get in or to be a part of your event mm -hmm. is it is it something that i mean that still obviously happens but is there more of a trend for planning these from the beginning of the festival right through yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. We we do have a lot of companies that come to us last minute within the last two to three weeks, which I know is hard um, for some events that have uh, their spaces set and everything like that. I do try to keep keep a certain number of spaces um, or I try to add spaces at the last minute if I can um, and we have the flexibility for that. So I do find that a lot of the summer XM companies, so companies that are launching a product and they just want to go to like six or seven events in the summer, um, that's definitely, I'm seeing a lot of that. But we do try to plan our experiential marketing pitches months out. So normally we would be going to our big sponsors a year to 18 months out. Um, and XM would only, we would only go out to them maybe two to two months out. I'm now working six months in advance because what I'm finding as well is a lot less companies are coming with a basic pop-up tent. They really are spending time and money creating these big, um, large structures. So like 40 by 40 trailers, I'm getting a lot of requests for large spaces. Um, so you're, it's, I'm, I'm seeing the companies put a lot more creativity, a lot more time and energy into these activations. So they need to be able to plan their summers in advance and say, okay, we want to hit these five markets. Let's Let's find festivals that work and let's book them now because, to be honest, space fills up quickly and it's hard for us to, like, I don't have a lot of spaces on site at our events that are larger than a 40 by 40. So um, you really have to work with these companies to say, okay, what do you want to bring? How big is the trailer? What are you hoping to get across? And you, you have to have time to do that. So, you know, six months out is kind of the bigger XMs. I'm working with them six months out. And that's the point is, uh, I know a lot of people think of it as blatant advertising, and 
at the end of the day, you've got to come up with uh, revenue to run your festival. But a lot of times when you work with these companies, they, they, they're they keen on on creating that experience that fits in what you, with what you're doing, but also accentuates your, your brand. Yeah. And I, and I think that they're being very creative. So a lot of photo booths are the trend now, but to do it in a unique way and not just slap a big logo on the photo because people are being, people are a lot smarter now and they're not going to share a photo with their friends that just has a massive logo on the front of it. They want something fun like gift booths. So there's a lot of gift booths that are popping up where, you know, you're kind of moving back and forth and you're doing fun poses and, you know, they've got, superimposed things on the on the photos they're being really creative with the photo booths or virtual reality augmented reality red path did a really cool thing with walking you through the red path sugar plant um you know at their booth so they're becoming a lot more creative because they understand audiences they they look through that if they're just walking through an alley of of free products they're going to take it and put it in their bag and not really think about it so i'm finding that there, these agencies are super creative to say, okay, how can we be authentic? How can we make shareable moments? How can we get people to talk about our product versus just sample, 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 sample? Um, so, you know, and some companies still just do that. They want to get 15,000 products out and they get 15,000 products out. Um, but I do think that there is a shift in the creativity of the agencies. And if you're lucky enough, some agencies want you to work with them. So some agencies will just have, nope, this is my my booth, this is my setup, this is what I'm doing. But there are some that will you'll be able to work with and say, okay, what do you need at your event and what would be really of benefit and what would create a captivated audience? Um, perfect example for that is Airbnb. In 2015, they came on board and did an Airbnb lounge, but we really worked with them from start to finish on it because they had never done XM before. They were really starting to get big in the market and they thought, let's do a non-traditional way. I mean, they don't really have a product or service that you can sample. So they created a lounge space. They paid for 10 large picnic tables and we placed it right around our stage. So now, like I said earlier, you have a captivated audience watching the stage, but Airbnb representatives were able to talk to people really about what Airbnb was. They gave out posters of Toronto and there was easily a half an hour to 45 minute lineup the entire weekend to get this really cool poster of Toronto that now people are going to hang in their apartments or houses that has Airbnb on it. So I just feel like people are, or agencies and companies are getting really unique and creative. And it's really lucky if you're able to have a relationship where you can work on their activation with them so that it helps offset your costs as well because that's that's what it's all about on the festival side of things and and just to be clear when you're talking xm we're not talking serious radio we're talking experiential marketing for, sorry sorry for, yes, so for people that marketing. it's new um the other yeah. thing that a lot of these companies are great at is data collection and, and it's something that uh in the festival world we do it but we and a lot of times we don't know why we're doing it or we don't know what to do with the data we collect and a lot of these companies will share that data with you and you can use it to, uh, you know, to get your messages out and, you know, pre and post festivals. So can you talk mm -hmm. a bit about the data collection and the importance of that? So every that's one of my biggest advice 
two festivals and events on that side is I know after the event's over, we go into this kind of like, you know, post-event buzz, but lull. But I would say that's the perfect time to reach out to all of the companies that activated on site uh, from the sponsor level all the way to the experiential marketing level and ask for their numbers. Every company that comes on site has to do a post report for their client. So we ask for all of their numbers. So we know that Red Pass Sugar hands out 19,000 cookies. We know that the I Love New York booth had a thousand email signups. And I put all of those data into our post-event report so that all partners see how other people did as well. And it also helps me to pitch next year. So if I know that I'm pitching a company that is a similar product or size, so we had Pringles last year and they gave out 4,800 full cans of Pringles, I know that if another company comes on board that wants to hand out chips or is a similar brand, I can say, these are companies that have been successful in the past and here's the kind of numbers that they hand out. I think also being very transparent, I mean, we have 350,000 to 500,000 people that come to our event, but you also have to be clear with these companies. They're not going to hand out 300,000 products. Obviously, there's different parks, there's different activities going on. So being transparent about the numbers as well, which this, the data collection from past years will help you with those kind of projections and also help you to pitch future sponsorships. We're talking with Victoria Syme of Harmony Marketing back in just a minute on FEO on the air. Festivals and Events Ontario supports a lively, engaged and dedicated festival and events industry. Purchase your Festivals and Events Ontario membership today and get a team of people working to help you succeed. Here's just a few benefits that membership provides. Promotion, saving money, networking, industry awards, supplier discounts, communications, skills development, and so much more. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. The voice of festivals and events in Ontario. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Hello and welcome back to FIO on the Air. We've got Victoria Syme from Harmony Marketing and we're, we're talking about uh, a session at our conference coming up in Richmond Hill on February 25th to 27th. And and we're, the pitch uh, that you made to us, Victoria, is for experiential marketing for new and junior festivals. And and can you talk just a bit about that? And, and I think what we do when we do our sessions sometimes is, you know, some of the feedback we get is everything's geared toward the bigger festivals or... You know, there's too much junior stuff with, and some of the bigger festivals didn't get enough. But I think this experiential marketing is something that's new enough for everybody to get something out of. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think there's a lot of um, opportunities and assets that smaller events have that they might not be aware of. Uh, I think a lot, there's a lot of restrictions on larger festivals. Um, you know, for our events specifically, we operate in public city parks, which is great, but there's a lot of um, issues around that. We can't gate them. Um, you know, we can't charge attendance. We don't have a lot of space. So I actually, as a large festival, have had to turn away a lot of XMs that are large. So going back to kind of the way that XM or experiential marketing companies are planning their spaces, I think there's a lot of XM companies that are going to be going to smaller festivals because they have a lot more space. They have, um, you know, fields and 
lots and um, places that are more conducive for these trailers and these experiences, buses, where you can walk in on one end of the bus, have access to the product and then walk out. And I think in smaller communities, there's also more of a captivated audience. I think you have people there, you have people for multiple days. So you're getting your product visibility out there for multiple days. I find with our festival, a lot of people come for one day. They come, they stop by, they enjoy it for a few hours and they're gone. Whereas I feel like smaller festivals and events have really great audience bases that are there for two to three days plus. They tell their families, they tell their friends, word of mouth, their community. So, you know, if you say, hey, there's some really cool freebies at this event, you know, you're really helping to promote not only the festival, but you're also helping to promote the XM companies that are activating there. So I think just the physical space at smaller festivals and the audience base that they have um, is a really big asset for these companies that are trying to branch out into new target demographics. And, And that's the importance of knowing the demographic of your event is that that's what's going to get these companies to your event is is the demographic base that you're working with. Yes, and I definitely think that smaller festivals and events, if they're not doing full post-event audits or surveys on site, that's my number one recommendation. That's what's going to give you all of those targets. The number one thing that people ask for when they ask for a pitch or they ask for a sponsorship deck is what are your demographics? Where are people coming from? What you know, what are the genders? What are the ages? What are they liking? What are they, how are they seeing your event? You know, are people seeing you mostly on Facebook or are people seeing you mostly from posters? So there's definite survey questions that we ask on site, which help plan our everything for next year from our marketing to our sponsorships. If you, if you see a massive spike in, um, you know, male attendees, well then are there certain XM companies that are doing products that are more geared to males that you would want to bring on site for next year? Or if you have a program that is really kid friendly, you know, what are the age demographics? Are you going to go after Toys R Us or Lego? And they're going to want to see those data points. So surveys, post reports, uh, talking to the companies that came on board, talking to your audiences, information booths, things like that. And even if it's, you know, I know it's hard sometimes to get people to fill stuff out, especially on paper. But if you have an incentive or if you have a company that's handing out free product anyway, go to the company and say, hey, can I grab a bunch of cookies and give them out for free when people do a survey? Um, it just really helps to give you that those data points for next year. Now, the, the sponsorship and partnerships, it's really changing. No, It's no more, as we're talking about, obviously, but no more is it just logo placement on your posters or on your print or in your media. It, You know, these companies are looking for the difference in experiences, and we're talking about the on-site activations and stuff like that, but I think the the one market that's out there, and I'm not sure how you guys work with it, but it's the experience for their employees or for their clients and you know whether it's a a huge event that you have a a vip booth for x's clients that they're hosting and have special privileges are you seeing more and more of that type of thing happening as well yeah for sure maybe not on the experiential marketing side of things because i just don't think that they have the budgets for it but we are seeing from sponsors um as part of their packages they are requesting for vip experiences 
they want VIP passes. They want, so for example, in a tall ship's year, they definitely want to talk about a reception on a tall ship. They want to be able to have hospitality. I know a lot of like loyalty cards and loyalty members and programs really want to be able to give those unique experiences to their top clients, customers. Um, So we have seen some requests for private receptions, really unique opportunities. Um, When we had the duck, you are able to go inside of the duck. So there were some opportunities. Um, We did it more with media, but there were some discussions around, do we do, um, you know, private tours inside for loyalty members of a certain sponsor? But for our event, that would come with a pretty hefty price tag and they would have to be a large sponsor for us to be able to work with them on that. Um, Experiential marketing side of things, a lot of the requests that I'm getting is more to have access to our e-database. If you have a large e-database as a a festival uh, or even one that's growing and you have a really an audience that interacts with you well, you have a high open rate. Um, A lot of companies are looking at that because they want access to that. They want to get directly to those uh, customers. So we're we're seeing a lot of requests for that, for social media to have access to do a social post. Um, So those are the things I'm finding that the logos on posters is all a secondary. You know, nobody's coming to me saying, I want my logo on the TTC poster. They're just saying, okay, that's a nice to have. Um, So, and it's obviously switching and it has for a number of years from the whole gold silver bronze it's all about what do you own it's stage presented by x it's lounge presented by x or the x lounge um so it's really sponsors want to own something and if they don't own it then they just want to come and give their product out that's I, i think that's the biggest shift that we're seeing and is that something that you as Harmony do? Like, would you sit down with a festival and really get outside of their normal box and look at opportunities that are there that they're not seeing? Oh, definitely. We do a lot of asset valuations. So really looking at what is your what do you have as a festival that is that is unique and, and ownable as well as what can you put logos or um, what can you put things on. So we we do whole asset valuations of the property and then we can come up with packages and benefits for potential sponsors to be able to show what you have that you might not know of or what are ways that you could enhance your programming or your activations that you might not already be aware of. So yeah, no, we definitely go through the strategy behind it, see, you know, even the physical space, are there really cool opportunities to, um, you know, rearrange the space in a way that brings you, um, you know, not not even more audiences, but more activations or more sponsorship um, uh, recognition. And if you're not doing that as a festival or event, you're, you're really lagging behind and and you're not going to be around for much longer because the the event space is is growing and it's changing and and the sponsorship market is you know it's only so big so if you're not constantly reinventing or rethinking how you generate revenue for your event you're you're not going to be around much longer yeah yeah it's definitely hard for the free events as well because uh, us like i know a lot of other events are completely um funded by government grants and sponsorships so if those two aren't happening then 
it's it it's not much longer and and I do see a lot of the headlines for events that have had to cancel. I know, you know, infrastructure costs are going up. I know security paid duty for alcohol. I mean, we don't have alcohol at our events anymore because of the fact that it just costs too much to put a beer garden on. Um so so I definitely see uh, a shift in that and that people are going to have to really think you know, what are we, what do we do well, you know, what do people like, what do people want to come for, um, and, and really realizing who your audience is and how to reach out to them and not just hope for the best. <laughs> so, Victoria, the, the festival season, while it's not over yet, we're entering our fall uh, with a lot of events still to come, but what are some trends you've seen this year that, that you think will, will move on or that, that caught your attention? Yeah, so I've said a few of them. I know for on the XM side and sponsorship side of things, uh, I'm seeing a lot of larger investments on the actual physical spaces. So not just a pop-up tent, but something that they're planning to use for years to come. Um, Definitely photos are still up there, photo booths, shareable moments. Uh, I know with the Infinity Mirrors exhibit from AGO, that kind of helped launch it, but everybody just wants that shareable photo moment. Um, A lot of online benefits requests, so social media, accesses to your e-database. Technology, I think, is a big one. So virtual reality, augmented reality, ways that you can show your product in a, in, in a way that you would never have thought of before. So putting on goggles and being able to immerse yourself in an experience fully. Yeah, I mean, I know that there's a lot of... Um, talks about the potential for, you know, music festivals with, and obviously with cannabis being legal, I know there's a lot of talks going that way. Um, so just seeing a shift in what big companies are also coming to Toronto, uh, sorry, in Canada and, um, new ways that you can promote something. So the biggest thing for us is bringing people in the winter. I think that there's going to be a shift in winter and fall events. Um, I, I see a lot more popping up about apple picking or pumpkin or fall, you know, the whole pumpkin spice latte craze. I think that summer is getting so saturated that um, I think there's going to be a bit of a shift in more of the fall, winter, um, shoulder, shoulder seasons that aren't, that aren't so popular. Victoria Sign from Harmony Marketing is our guest today on FIO on the Air. Back in just a minute. Become a Festivals and Events Ontario member today and join a family of more than 500 members that represent over 1,400 festivals and events in Ontario. Knowledgeable, dedicated, and passionate event organizers and volunteers who can help make your event a success. Membership fees range in price depending on the size of your festival or event. If you're a supplier of goods or services, you can also become a member and get connected with planners across the province. So many benefits, so little cost. Buy your membership today. Contact us now, Debbie at festivalsandeventsontario.ca. Welcome back. FIO on the Air continues. Here again is our host, Dave McNeil. Welcome back to Theo on the Air. Victoria Simon from Harmony Marketing has been our guest. Victoria, anything that, uh, if, as you look in your crystal ball, any new trends that you see developing or, or, or just points that you want to reiterate that, that is important for festival and events to look at as they start planning for next year's cycle? Yeah, um, I think I touched on it briefly, but I, I know technology, if, if, 
if you're not in the technology sphere or know the new trends in technology and social media, I definitely think as a festival festival or event, you really should, um, you know, really know how they work and um, start to get a presence. Of course, you should have social media channels across the board, you know, and really talk to your audience in a different way on each one. Don't do a blanket statement and get it out on all all, all accounts. Um, so really gain your fan base in an authentic way. It's all about, like Gen Z that's coming up is all about authenticity. If you don't do something in an authentic way, it's going to be lost. Um, so really continuing to kind of cultivate your audience and your target audience, knowing who you're going after, finding the channels to do that, and really looking at months of the year and times that are not super popular because those are going to have less competition. Those are going to be people looking at things to do. Um, you know, summer events are amazing and, and we love it, but I really think the trend is going to be coming towards more of the fall, winter events, winter carnivals, things like that. Um, that's definitely where our thought process is going. So as, as we come closer to our conference in Richmond Hill, February 25th to 27th, our theme is Innovate. And I, and I think the takeaway for me, at least with what we've been talking about today, is to really innovate how you think about your spark, your partners and your sponsors and your space and, and the different ways you can activate and, and interact with your audience and with your suppliers. Yeah, for sure. And there's there's a lot of different ways. I know we've touched on it briefly in this, but there's a lot of other ways that you can start thinking about how can you have activations or sponsors that help fulfill a need for you and your audience. Um, and yes, of course, it's about the bottom line, but also giving an experience to somebody and being able to enhance the visitor experience, keep people there on site longer, create economic impact by having a cultivated audience, having return visitation. And all of that goes with obviously the thought process and the pre-planning, being able to have a great partnership and having these companies come year over year and being able to think not only from the, from what's going to help the sponsor, but how is my audience because the audience at the end of the day are the ones that are coming down, giving you the attendance, giving you the, the money. It's, it's really thinking on both sides, um, how this helps my sponsor, but how this helps my visitor as well. Victoria, we've really enjoyed chatting with you today. If anybody wanted to get in touch with Harmony Marketing, we'll have it on our site. But how, how would they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so harmonymarketing.ca is our website. We're Harmony Marketing on Twitter. And um, yeah. Again, Harmony Marketing, Victoria Simon has been our guest today, and, and we're talking about experiential marketing. Uh, look forward to her session at our, our conference in Richmond Hill, Innovate, uh, February 25th to 27th. Victoria, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Dave McNeil, and you've been listening to Feel on the Air. Thanks for listening to Feel on the Air, the voice of festivals and events in Ontario. Festivals and Events Ontario has entered the world of podcasting with FIO on the air. Join us as we sit down and chat with the movers and shakers of the festivals and events community. The goal is to share insight, advice, planning techniques, and overall strategy with you, our FIO members. On the next podcast, would you like us to interview someone specific, cover a particular topic, answer a question? Let us know. FIO on the air wants to give you what you need to succeed. Contact us now, Dave at festivalsandeventsontario.ca.